Amen. You are likely aware of the fact that we live in a community that is pretty much Seahawk obsessed. Uh, I'm looking around the room. There's quite a few of you with blue and green. I see a green cast in the room. Like we got, we're after it as Seahawk fans, right? I mean, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had some friends that were visiting from California and they happened to be here in town on a blue Friday. And we had dinner that night and they were like, this is crazy. They're like, we have never seen an area so excited about celebrating their football team. They were like, the, the way that this community wears jerseys and the flags that are flying everywhere and the decals on cars and the t-shirts and the sweatshirts, they're like, we have never seen another city do anything like this the way that we were, the way that Seattle celebrates our team. And, and a lot of us in this room, we're doing that, right? A lot of us have Seahawk gear on and, and second service is only this full when the Seahawks play late, like normally, right? Like, because we're all like, oh, I can get home in time, right? And we wear jerseys, and I, you know, got my Russell Wilson jersey on, and some people have a 25 for Sherman, and they've got Graham jerseys, and 54 for Bobby Wagner. Like, we, we wear these jerseys. But we know that when we put on the jersey, it doesn't suddenly make us that player, right? Like, I, I, I'm wearing my number three Russell Wilson jersey, and if right after service I jump in my car, and I drive down to the stadium, and I walk up to the front gate, and I'm like, ah, so I'm Russell Wilson, and I'm running a little bit late. I'm playing quarterback today. I need to get in. They're like, no, sir. And you're like, I got the jersey. Like, right? They would, we, we, that would be crazy. We all know that's not true. Well, if you were here last month, we started talking about the fact that God calls us. God gives us the opportunity to do awesome. Russell Wilson, awesome. Right? So God calls us to do awesome in, in our personal lives, in our relationship as a church. God gives us these opportunities to live in an awesome way. But sometimes when we hear that God calls us to be awesome or to live in a way that's awesome. Sometimes we feel like maybe God's calling us to put on a jersey that doesn't belong to us. Like maybe God's calling us to do something we're not really qualified to do, not really able to wear that jersey. Well, over the next couple of weeks, what we want to do is begin to discover that you've got what it takes. That if God has something for you, if God's called you to do something, if God's called me to do something, if God's called us as a church to do something, then we've got what it takes. Each of us in the room, we've got what it takes to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. And so today I want us to begin to understand, I want us to begin to embrace the, the reality that regardless of what it is that you've been called to do, you've got, you've got what it takes. And oftentimes when God calls us to do something, he's going to call us to do something that stretches us. God doesn't just call us to do simple, he calls us to do things oftentimes that are bigger than we even feel we're capable of doing. Like we've putting on some jersey that doesn't belong to us, but God has called us to that. And what we have to begin to understand, when God has called us to do something, there is no need to doubt. There's no need to doubt your ability. If God is leading you to it, there's no need to doubt. If you're sensing a plan that God is leading you to, don't doubt. If there's a part of you that feels like there's a direction that God is leading you to, there's no need to doubt. You've got what it takes. You may not see yourself able to do that today. You may not even have the skills today to do what it is that you're being called to do. You may like, I don't have the knowledge right now. Understand this. If you're being called to do something that God is calling you to do, you don't have to doubt. You've got what it takes. And God's going to develop in you what you need to have. God's going to bring the right people around you. God's going to bring the right resources around you that will allow you and lead you to do the things he's called you to do because you've got what it takes. And if God is directing you to do something, there's no need to doubt that that includes that even means like as a husband or a wife. I mean, maybe right now you're in a marriage and your, your marriage is struggling. 
Maybe you're missing each other. It's like the communication just isn't there and, and things aren't going well. And you're like, I'm not even sure I can stick this out. I'm not even sure I want to stay in this. No, no, no. You've got what it takes. You've got what it takes to stick it out. Don't doubt. Maybe you're a student and you're like, ah, I'm already behind in my classes. I've been lazy or whatever. Or maybe there's a teacher and their, their expectations are way too high. Or you're in a class and you just don't get it. God's called you. Just do your best. Make the most of that opportunity. You've got what it takes. There's no need to doubt. Maybe you've been called to, to lead or to serve somewhere around the church. Maybe you've heard us talking about different areas where you can jump in. And a lot of times we respond to those things, but a lot of times we're hesitant. We hear God calling us to do something. We're like, ah, I'm not sure. No, no, no. If God is calling you to do it, you've got what it takes. Like, ah, I'm not sure I can make a difference. I'm not sure it'll be appreciated. No, no. There's no need to doubt. You've got what it takes. And there's so many areas of life that God calls us to, to move forward. He leads us to. He gives us these opportunities to make our world better, to improve the things around us. There's no need to doubt. And this morning, I want to encourage you to begin to step into your potential. See, we aren't Russell Wilson or Richard Sherman or Bobby. We're not those individuals. And at one point, those guys aren't the guys that we know them to be today. At one point, they were just some kid playing Little League football. At some point, they were just some kid not even playing football. But they had the skills, they had the abilities, they had some natural stuff going on, and then they decided to move forward. At some point, they had to say, you know what? I'm going to step into my potential. I'm not the quarterback I'll be someday. I'm not the, whatever. They had to step into it. So when God calls you to be a great friend, you have to step into the potential. When God calls you to begin making wise financial decisions with your resources, you have to step into your potential. We have to step into our potential to make a difference in our office. We have to step into the potential to make a difference in our neighborhood or make a difference in your family. Maybe you hear us talking about, hey, we need some greeters out front, or we need people to help teach children, or we need people to help be a part of our special events team, whatever. You've got what it takes, but you have to step into your potential. You have to begin to say, you know what, I'll take those opportunities. I'll begin to move into something. Maybe I don't even know if I can do it. But you have to step into it. There's no need to doubt. But even in the middle of when we start to doubt, you have to step into it. And sometimes it doesn't even make sense right now. Sometimes we look at what we have or what we've got lined up and we're like, oh, that doesn't even make sense, God. But we still have to step into that potential because it's not about what is possible today. It's about what our potential can be as God moves through us. And as we begin to respond to what he calls us to do. So you have to step into that potential because your potential is all about what you can be, not what you have been. And it's because of your potential that you've got what it takes, that you've got what it takes to do what God is calling you to do. Near the front of the Bible, we come across this amazing story of the Israelites and how God is working through them. In the book of Judges, we come across this story about an individual by the name of Gideon. And Gideon, he ends up leading this army. And both Gideon and the army, they are not capable of doing what God is about to call them to do. But they're capable to do it because God is with them and they step into their potential. Now, if you happen to like movies like Gladiator or Braveheart, you should go home and read the book of Judges. Because it's like, whoosh, whoosh, slice and dice. And you'll be like, oh, this is my kind of story. If you don't like Gladiator or Braveheart, just pick another book because it gets a little gruesome. If you're not familiar with the story of the Israelites or the nation of Israel, there's kind of this reoccurring cycle that happens again and again and again. The way it basically goes is this. God comes to the Israelites and says, listen, I'm inviting you to follow me. 
I'm inviting you to live the way that I'm calling you to live. And if you live the way I'm calling you to live, if you'll, if you'll live this way, then I'll bless you. And I'll provide for you. And I'll give you protection. And so the people are like, well, that sounds good. And so they begin to respond and they begin to do the things God is calling them to do. And they begin to experience tremendous growth and advancement and it's really well, working well. And, and as they grow and as they have more resources, all of a sudden they begin to forget about God and they begin to forget about what God has done and what he's called them to do. And they start to think, oh, we did this all on our own. And they begin to ignore God. And then as they ignore God, they begin to step outside of God's blessing and outside of God's protection. And as they step outside of God's protection and God's blessing, God's like, okay. If you, if you don't want it, okay. And then some neighboring country comes in and starts to smack him around. And after they get smacked around for a while, they're like, well, we don't like this. And then they suddenly remember, oh, that's right. God said if we do things his way, if we follow the way he calls us to live, that there's blessing and there's provision. And so then they return to God. And then the cycle repeats itself. It's basically what you and I do. Right. We're like, God, I need your help. And God's like, if you live this way and then we begin to live this way and it begins to work. And then as life begins to work, we're like, I'll do it on my own. And we go and then then it doesn't work and we come back. It's kind of the same thing. And in the book of Judges, in this particular story, we find the people at one of the times where they've said, you know what, God, we got it. And they turn their back on God and they're doing their own thing. And and we come across the story where they're starting to get kind of beat up by another country. Actually, they're getting really beat up by another country. Uh, The story's on the screen. It's in your message notes. Here's how it starts. It says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. So essentially, the Israelites did their own thing. They did evil, and now they're on the run. They've essentially been chased out of their homes, chased out of their communities, God's taken away his provision. God's taken away his protection. And the Midianites, who are cruel and abusive, have chased them out. And now the people have left their homes. They're living in caves, which unless you're 12 years old, it's not a good idea. Like if you're 12, you're like, live in a cave? (laughs) There's really no, right? So like I would say that if you're living in a cave and not your home, you're missing out on what life could be, right? You're not really experiencing God's blessing, God's protection, And it's not because God didn't want to give it. They chose to step outside of it. So now they're living in caves. Now they're hiding out in the mountain. They're proving a great example of what happens when we don't step into our potential. They're coming up short of what life could be. They're missing out. They're being held back. They're in hiding. That happens to us all the time. In our lives, oftentimes we end up hiding from our potential because of uncertainty, because of fear, because of sin. Like, oh, I'm not sure it'll work. I'm worried. I'm, I'm afraid. I think people will think I'm weird. I'm too busy covering up this stuff, so I can't do this stuff. It's not really possible. I don't think it's going to work out. I think we're going to fail. Or we see opposition. Or our hearts are too proud. Or we lie about how we're feeling. Whatever it is, we begin to say, you know what, God? I got this. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. And as a result of that uncertainty, and as a result of that fear, and as a result of sin, we end up hiding ourselves away from the protection that God wants to give us. We end up moving away to the mountain and we miss out on the protection that God wants to take and that he wants to give. And you and I, we have what it takes to do the things that God is calling us to do. But when we've stepped outside of his protection, we miss out on what he wants to do in our lives. And in our lives, if we want to begin to experience what God has for us, there's three choices that we have to make. Three choices that will begin to unleash 
our potential, that would begin to allow us to move forward into what God is calling us to do. Because we can, we can choose to hang out in the cave. We can choose to continue to avoid what God is calling us to do, continue to miss out and experience all that life can be. Or we can make the decision to come out of the cave, come out of the hiding, begin to make choices that we step into our potential. We begin to say, you know what, okay, I, I, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm not going to doubt God. I'm going to uh, not doubt that God can work through me and begin to unleash what I could possibly become. And if you and I are going to unleash our potential, the first decision that we need to make is to determine what's going to establish our identity. Now, we probably, most of you have a passport, or you have like an employee identification card, or a library card, or a social security card, or if you've been lucky enough to experience the process of the DOL, you might have a driver's license. Man, that's a payment, right? I want a driver's license. Okay, here's what you got to do, right? And just because we have those things, those, just, those cards just prove who we are. They don't determine our identity, they just prove our identity, Right? Just because if you look at my driver's license, it says I have green eyes. That didn't make me have green eyes. Right? My driver's license says I have green eyes because I have green eyes. Right? Just because my driver's license says I'm 29, that doesn't make me 29. I'm 29 a while ago. <laughs> the first service after where everybody was like, why didn't you talk about your weight too? I'm like, hey, that's rude. It's like... That wouldn't be funny. <laughs> Apparently it is. Shoot. <laughs> but when it comes to who we are, when we allow to, what we allow to determine who we are and what we're all about, we can choose anything. We have the capability of saying, who's going to speak in to what we are? Who's going to determine our identity? And in the story of Judges, we begin to see that if we'll turn to God... God will begin to help us identify that. And we come to this guy, this specific guy by the name of Gideon. We're going to pick it up in verse 11. Here's how it goes. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah. Which is funny. She's that popular. <laughs> She's so popular. She got her name in the book before she was even born. Sheesh. Okay, so anyway, hanging out under Oprah's tree, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizur. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Okay, we have to stop because we don't get this. Okay, he's hiding in a wine press. A wine press is basically this great big hole in the ground. Now, he's not making wine. He's threshing wheat, which again, we're like, okay. Here's how you thresh wheat. You thresh wheat out in the open. You get in a big open plane, and then you have this big pile of wheat, and then you take a pitchfork, and you stick it in the wheat, and then you throw it in the air. And then the wind blows through and grabs all the little stuff, impurities, and blows that away, and then the grain falls to the ground. And then you can use the wheat to make bread, right? Eventually, you're left with good wheat that you can use. So he's down in a wine press. There's no wind in a wine press. He's hiding out, not doing what you typically do in a wine press. He's threshing wheat down in a hole, down in a pit. There's no wind. So essentially, he's doing the wrong thing in the wrong place, accomplishing absolutely nothing. He's busy just spinning his wheels. No progress. It's meaningless. Then it all changes. The next verse says this. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. That's comedy. <laughs> right? Mighty warrior down in a wine press. <laughs> the Lord is with you doing your meaningless task. 
Often that's exactly where you and I find ourselves. Doing stuff that doesn't matter. Not making any progress. Not feeling like we're a part of doing anything great. And then God shows up and says, hey, mighty warrior, I'm with you. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to keep doing things that are unproductive. You don't have to feel like you're nothing. See, our identity is less about what we do and more about what God says we are in his opinion of us. And there's two incredible ways that God validates our identity, and we see them both in this story. And the first way that we validate or that God validates our identity is that God came looking for Gideon. And God comes looking for you. See, God's presence will find us even if we're hiding in a wine press. And God's presence will find us even if we're hiding in a bottle of wine. And God's presence will find us if we're not showing up for church. And God's presence will find us if we show up for church and pretend like we've got it all together. See, wherever you are, God is looking for you and God will pursue you regardless of what you've done or what you haven't done. And today you might be hearing that thinking, you know what, God's not pursuing me. God hasn't approached me. I haven't heard God talking or leading me. Well, you're here this morning. It's not an accident. That's not some lucky coincidence. God was a part of that. God is right now here, right now, meeting and looking for you. Right now, this morning, God wants you to know that he thinks you've got what it takes. And he was looking for you for this moment to let you know that. And at the same time that God is looking for you and that he was looking for Gideon, God also spoke into what Gideon would be. Gideon wasn't there that moment. He wasn't a mighty warrior in that situation. The Lord was with him, but there was so much more to come. And you and I can choose to listen to what others say we are right now. Right? You and I read that story and we're like, he's in a wine press. He's a loser. But what God said was what mattered. And God says to you and he says to me, you have value and you're important. In fact, you have so much value and you're so important. I'm going to send my son to restore that relationship. And the value and importance of anything is established by what somebody is willing to pay for it. And God said, you are so gifted and you are so wanted and you are such a, so valuable to me. I will go to any lengths to let you know that. And he communicates that through his actions. So rather than choosing to hear what our culture or what other people say you are, listen to what God says you are. Because if you and I are busy pursuing what other people, other people's approval we will die from other people's rejection. Because other people can't see your potential. We can pretty much only see in each other what is possible in what they're doing right now. God sees the potential of you and what you can become and what you can do. Choose to allow God to speak into your identity. Allow the evidence of how God has responded to confirm your value. Allow that to begin to unleash your potential by finding your identity into who God says and what God thinks you are. The second thing, the second choice that will allow us to begin to unleash our potential is our availability. We've all seen it maybe in a movie or maybe we've lived it out. That situation at recess where you're picking teams, like everybody lines up on a line and then there's two captains, right? And they're picking teams for kickball or football or whatever. And it, it kind of plays out the same way. Same kids get picked first. And then slowly at the end, there's that, that sad moment where there's a kid that gets picked last. 
Imagine the surprise that would happen on, that, on the face of that kid that always gets picked last. If all of a sudden one of the captains is like, um, with my first pick, I choose him. That kid would be shocked. That kid would look around and be like, I didn't know there was another kid that went to school with my name. Right? Like, that never happened. He's like, there's a practical joke going on here. That's what happened to Gideon right here. This story, that's what happened. All of a sudden, God shows up and says, hey, mighty warrior, I'm going with you. Gideon's like, no, 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 I get picked last. I mean, listen, here's his response. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Pause for just a second. Gideon starts with this whole, like, blame God when things go wrong process, right? The Lord didn't abandon them. They chose to step outside of God's protection. They chose to step outside of what God wanted to do. And so then rather than saying, oh, we didn't do what we were supposed to do, he's like, let's just blame God. We knew how we should live. We knew what would lead us to a better life. We turned our back on God, but let's just, let's just blame God. And now life goes sideways, and they're like, oh, God bailed. And we do that all the time, right? A lot of times we're like, how come I don't have all the financial resources I need to be able to cover everything that I've got? Why isn't God helping me with this? But we don't take into account the fact that we spent more money than we've got and we took on payments we couldn't afford. God's like, just spend the dollars that you've got. And sometimes we're like, how come there's not people rallying around my life when my life is in trouble? But then when we were okay, we weren't investing in connect groups or serving along other people, alongside of other people. We weren't rallying around other people that were in need. And then we find ourselves alone and we're like, God, this is your fault. See, God calls us to live a certain way. He calls us to walk through life a certain way. And then when it doesn't work out and we don't follow what God called us to do, we just blame him. God, your way doesn't work. Oh, we weren't following God's way to start with. And so like Gideon, so often we just blame God when we're the ones that chose to walk away from God. See, God doesn't abandon us. So we keep reading. Here's what it says. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, oh, wait, I went to the wrong one. Where am I at? What's, oh, the Lord turned to him and said, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So Gideon tried the blame God thing, and then that didn't work because God didn't go away. And so now he's trying the excuse way, right? This is how we do. We're like, God, it's your fault, and I'm too weak. God, I'm not strong enough. God, I don't have enough resources. God, I don't have the skill set. My family has the wrong heritage. I've been, I've been mistreated. God, I don't have the right education. This request is too big. My car is too small. My house is too old. I don't have enough time. God, I can't do it. Like, we're really good at lining up all of the excuses for why we can't do the thing God's calling us to do. God, I don't have what it takes. God, we as a church don't have what it takes. God's like, uh, you're just looking in the wrong place. You've got what it takes. And in all of the areas that you don't have what it takes, God's like, I'm just going to make up the difference. So you do have all that it takes. And you'll have all that it takes, and you'll be able to do all of the things that I'm calling you to do. And here's how God says it to Gideon. He says, the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. God's like, I'm going to go with you, Gideon. 
It's not that the, the Midianite army is going to suddenly change. There's still going to be a fight. It's just the fight's going to be different. I'll go with you. You've got what it takes because I'm going to go in it with you. Because it wasn't about what Gideon was or what Gideon could do. And in our lives, it's not about what we can do or what we are. In our lives, it's not about our ability. It's about our availability. It's not so much about what you can do. It's about whether or not you're available. When God came to Gideon, he didn't say, Gideon, you're my guy because you're really good with a spear. Gideon, you're my guy because I've seen some of your really good team building exercises. God wasn't even worried about what Gideon can do. He was just interested in Gideon being available. So you don't have to even be able to do what God is calling you to do. You just have to make yourself available. See, because you've got what it takes to make yourself available. You've got what it takes to be obedient. You've got what it takes to be responsive. And for Gideon, the promise was, I'm going to go with you. And Gideon, I'm going to go with you, and you're going to take down the Midianites. For you and I, we're, if we make ourselves available, we can, be, we can be the employee that God calls us to be. If you and I will make ourselves available, we can be the neighbor that God calls us to be. If you and I will make ourselves available, we can be the parent and the spouse and the child that God calls us to be. We don't have to consider whether or not we have the ability. If God is calling us to it, we just have to determine that we're available. And within that availability, we've got what it takes. We've got all that it takes. There's this amazing promise in another story to this guy named Zerubbabel. And it's just fun to say his name, so that's why I threw it in. But actually, it's just an amazing story because Zerubbabel is facing something that seems bigger than him as well. This is what God says to Zerubbabel. He says, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. See, God's not looking for your ability. He's just looking for your availability. And then God will come in and his power will be great and you'll have exactly what it takes to do what God is calling you to do. And then the last choice that you and I need to make to unleash our potential is we have to surrender. And this isn't the surrender like put up the white flag, throw in the towel, I quit surrender. This is the type of surrender that's like an admission that when I'm in charge, when you're in charge of your life, when I'm in charge of my life, our life doesn't go as well as it could go. This is more about saying, listen, I shouldn't be the one in the lead. This is a surrender that says, you know what? The position of decision maker, the decision or the position of direction determiner, not me anymore. It's God. It's not even a one time decision. It's not like, hey, so we're going to the mall. Do you want to drive? This isn't a, hey, God, I'm really tired today, so I'm going to I'm going to let you call the shots. I'll give it. I'll give you a turn. The type of surrender that leads to an unleashing of our potential, where we begin to experience the full opportunity of what God wants to do in our lives, where we actually get to experience that we've got all that it takes, is the type of surrender where we say, God, the position in my life that gets to call the shots, it's yours. The position of control, rather than it being a momentary decision, it's an ongoing decision. God, it's yours. It's not about quitting. It's not about throwing in the towel. It's about saying, God, I, don't, I can't be in charge. You need to be in charge. And I'll follow what you call me to do, and I'll do what you ask me to do, and I'll believe that I've got what it takes. Here's how it plays out for Gideon. 
It says, Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn, a clay jar, and a torch in it. <laughs> oh, I've never, I'm too much of a coward to join the army um, or any sort of military, but I'm guessing when you join the army or you join the military and they start passing out gear, you're planning on something sharp, right? And this ram's horn, it's just a trumpet, okay? So don't be like, well, they could poke him. No. So you're thinking, I want something sharp. Give me a knife. Give me a sword. Give me a spear. Give me some sort of protective gear, right? Like a shield or a helmet or a bulletproof vest. Give me something I can fling or launch, like a slingshot or a catapult or a laser gun, like something. These guys had to be looking at each other like, a ram's horn, a trumpet, and a jar and a torch the heck but what they're about to discover and what you and i discover is that when we surrender god's given you everything you need see the plan that god's about to roll out for gideon and for this army is we're going to get really close to the tents and then gideon's going to give a signal and then the directions that we're about to read that happen after this only work if they surrender to the idea that god has given them everything that they need Because the plan that we're about to read, nobody would come up with it on their own. Because the Israelites, there was no way if they went into hand-to-hand combat with the Midianites, even if God gave them swords and spears and laser guns, it wouldn't have worked. The Midianites were too powerful. They didn't have what it would take to do that, but they did have what it would take to do what God was calling them to do. And when you and I look to God... And begin to recognize that God will give us everything that we need to do. We begin to surrender to God. And realize that God has given us everything that we need. We'll be able to do everything that God has called us to do. And accomplish more than we could even imagine possible. Because God will give us the things that we need. And then he'll be the extra. And sometimes the things that we need are the pain that we've gone through in the past and the struggles that we've gone through the past and the weaknesses that we've gone through or that we experience in life and sometimes god will use those things to accomplish the thing that he's calling us to do and it'll be enough here's how the story wraps up gideon just so you know gideon takes the 300 guys he divides them into 100 100 groups or groups of 100 and they kind of go around the whole midianite camp so here's where we're at it says it was just after midian after midnight after the changing of the guard When Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew the horns, the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew the ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shitta. You have to know this, and this is probably not appropriate for me to tell you this. Beth Shitta, the word Beth actually means house of. So... Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as the house of Shidda. Like, have you ever heard the term, like, somebody beating him out in the woodshed? Like, like this is a sign that you're really getting taken out. 
Like, this is a big time win all the way to Bethsheda. Near this other word I can't pronounce. And to the border of Abel, another word. They're winning. This, they're winning. These guys had no idea how it was going to work out. They, had, they weren't promised that the army was going to panic and start cutting each other up and that they would run. They simply had to surrender to the plan. They simply had to say, God, you're in charge. God, this is your idea. God, you've given us everything that we need. A ram's horn and a torch and a jar. So they blew their trumpets and they broke the jars and then they held their position. And their actions revealed that God works through those who work. See, you've got what it takes. And you're more than capable to do anything and everything that God is leading you to do. Those basic things, those, those roles that you have in your life, husband, wife, mom, child, whatever, employee, boss, like God's giving you everything that you need to be able to do those things. And the bigger things, like where you have to face your enemies and your obstacles and your hurts and all of those things, God's given you everything that you need to do those things, to face those things. You've got what it takes, but it requires us to work. And God works through those who work. So that means there's times where we're going to have to hold our position and blow the trumpet and break the jar and shine the torch. So maybe we have to hold our position and say what's right and reveal the truth and surrender to God's plan and not run and hide, but stay where we are and say, you know what? I've got what it takes. And allow God to begin to unleash your potential. And it happens when you and I decide that we're going to find our identity in what God says we are. Our potential is unleashed when we make ourselves available. Our potential is released when we surrender to God's leadership and God's direction. Rather than being the ones that have to be in charge. Each week in your program, we put these connect cards in there. And the challenge is for you to think through what it is that you've just heard and, and to begin to mark down what your next step is going to be. Begin to think, what is it that God is saying to you about where you're at right now? Gives us a chance to be able to pray for you as God is working in your life. But what's your next step? Maybe this morning your next step is to determine where it is that you look for your identity. Maybe your next step is to respond to what God is inviting you to make happen. Maybe your next step is to decide to put yourself in a position to surrender to God's plan. Maybe your next step is to acknowledge that the tools and weapons you've been given can accomplish what you've been called to do. Wherever it is, whatever it is, understand this. You've got what it takes. You've got what it takes to do anything that God is calling you to do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this incredible story of Gideon and the army and, and their willingness to respond to what you called them to do. God, in our lives, as we see the things and understand what it is that you're leading us to do, God, would you help us not to be scared? Help us not to run. Help us to understand what it is that you see when you see us. God, help us to be available and make ourselves available to whatever your plan is and to surrender to you. God, thank you so much that you care about us and you come alongside of us and you guide us and lead us in life. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.